0: And finally, I'm pleased to announce that the 10 films selected as Best Picture Nominees for 2009 are Avatar,
1: The Blind Side, District 9, An Education, The Hurt Locker, Inglourious Bastards, Up, Precious, A Serious Man, and Up in the Air. In 2009
0: the Academy Awards decided to change their system for identifying the best picture. For many decades, the system worked like this. The Academy picked five nominees, and then the voters selected the one picture that they thought was the best. But in 2009, the Academy Award voters had ten options to choose from. And it was clear to the Academy this could cause a problem in the vote, because the votes were being spread across ten possibilities. That's the difference between majority and plurality. We are all familiar with the system of voting where the majority wins. If you have two presidential candidates to choose from, then the candidate who receives the majority of the votes is the winner. As my son used to say, you need 50% plus one person. With only two candidates, one of them is bound to get the majority. But when you have three candidates or 10 candidates, the votes are going to be spread across such a wide field that there is much less likelihood that one winner is going to get the majority of votes. They may only get the plurality. Plurality means that the winner receives more votes than any other, but does not receive an absolute majority. So what does this have to do with the Academy Awards? Well, in a year like 2009, when there are 10 pictures vying for best picture, you can win with only 15% of the vote if the other nine films all get less than 15%. How do we feel about that? Well, you might say, hey, if the film got more votes than any other film, it got the plurality and it should be the winner. But think about that math for a second. If a film wins best picture with 15% of the vote, that means 85% of voters actually preferred something else. So is it really the best picture of the year when 85% of voters prefer something else? That's the problem with plurality wins voting. And that's why the same year that the Academy Awards announced they were increasing the list of best pictures to 10 nominees, they also decided to completely change the way they counted their system of voting. They stopped identifying the best picture by a plurality vote and instituted a completely different method. It's got a couple of different names, but we're going to call it rank choice voting. The new system of voting required that the Academy voters not simply identified the one film they thought was the best. Instead, each voter had to look at the list of 10 pictures and rank them from the one they thought was number one to the one they thought was number 10. So that's what this episode of No Cure for Curiosity is all about. I am Shani Luft, the Associate Dean of General Education at the University of Wisconsin at Stevens Point. My guest today is my friend Andy Felt, a professor of mathematical sciences at UWSP. I invited Andy to come on the podcast during this election season to explain what ranked choice voting is and why he argues it would be a superior system over our current majority rules method for political office. So let's just start with that. What, uh, what is ranked choice voting, basically? How would you describe it and how does it, how does it work?
1: So the entire discussion really is only valid if we're talking about three or more candidates. There are m- many different ways of voting. Uh, people don't realize this in America or, or didn't until very recently because, um, as you say, ranked choice is starting to become more popular.
0: Every different method of voting basically is equivalent if it's just you're choosing between A and B. Yes. Okay.
1: All all the ones we're going to talk about at least. So we we always say majority rule, but that's not true. It's called plurality. Is the base case way of vote holding an election, and that is every voter gets to vote for one person for one candidate, mm-hmm. uh, and the candidate with the most votes wins. Now that doesn't always mean that they have a majority, the winning candidate, right? Sometimes the winning candidate only has 30% of the vote or 40% of the vote, something like that.
0: Right. If you have three candidates and one person gets 40 and the other two get 30, the one with 41. So he doesn't have a majority or she doesn't have a majority uh, of the population, but, but he or she did get the majority of the votes. Exactly. Is that mathematical system what led to why we only have two political parties?
1: I believe so. Yes. Okay. Uh, and you want to talk about that? I can sort of try to explain that a little bit. Okay. Um, so let's start with plotting everybody, all the voters. Let's say on a a two dimensional canvas on a piece of paper. You could say one axis is how uh, progressive you are financially, fiscally. Uh, the other axis is how progressive you are socially. I'm probably pretty close to the upper right-hand corner. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're probably pretty close to me, but not right on top. Mm -hmm. And my brother is way down, you know, in the the lower left-hand corner. Everybody is a dot on this canvas. Um, So let's also put two candidates then on that canvas. And they're running for the same office. And then you say, well, presumably... The people close to candidate A and on one side of candidate A will vote for candidate A. And and then the opposite, the other people on the other side will mostly vote for candidate B. But now let's add a third candidate in there. Maybe close closer to candidate B. Okay. Uh who does that hurt?
0: It well, it's gonna hurt candidate B, right? It's gonna split because some people are gonna, depending on. How close they are to candidate B, you know the second candidate. When you add a new person, they're going to pull away votes from the th- person they're closest to.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, great example is Bush Gore Nader, right? And Nader famously hurt Gore more than Bush, right? Because Nader was closer to Gore in on this canvas on the political views, or uh, you could go. Perot, Clinton, Bush. Uh, Many people feel that Perot hurt Bush and helped get Clinton uh, elected. Anyway, so the presence of that third candidate hurts the candidate that they're closest to. Now, um, think of a system where there aren't parties, okay? There are 10 basically Democratic uh, candidates. 10 basically Republican-leaning candidates, they're maybe in a cloud, but the more candidates there are in a single area, the more all of those candidates in that area are hurt.
0: Right. Right. They're they're, they're splitting up the pie into smaller and smaller
1: pieces. Right. And I think immediately in uh, America, people realized this and said, holy smokes, we better get together ahead of time and decide which of these 10 people that basically agree with each other, uh, we're going to trot out there as our candidate, because if we trot 10 people out there, we're going to lose, period.
0: And so that's where primaries come in, right? The so parties then will uh, will have these kind of runoffs between four, five, six, 10, 20 people to pick the one person who's going to represent the
1: party. Exactly. So if there's two parties and you add the third party there, who does they hurt? They hurt the party that they're closest to. So the Greens are a great example of hurting the Democrats, right? And the libertarians currently hurt the Republicans. So having sharing your political space on the canvas mm-hmm. with another candidate or another party uh, is is really, really bad mathematically really bad.
0: Right. Bad for the person trying to win.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And so effect is predictable on candidates. You run away from the group, right? And most of the time that means you run away from the center. Okay. So candidates either explicitly or implicitly understand all of that and, and they try to find space for themselves, right? And so go back and look at the 2016 Republican primaries, the early states, um, Trump was winning those with 30% of the vote, 31% of the vote. And um, the next closest candidate was something like 20% of the vote. And so the headlines were, it's a huge win for Trump, right? Mm -hmm. He blows away the rest of the field. But really, it's my memory that it was basically Trump and not Trump you know, is not Trump was split 14 ways and uh, not Trump got 70% of the vote, but yet it was uh, viewed as a huge, huge victories for Trump and then momentum built and people started falling out.
0: And so when you say Trump, not Trump, the the point is that the, the not Trump was a group of people who, if you were to graph them, would have all been closer together, right? And so you're saying Trump's by... For for a number of reasons, he stood out um, because the other folks were too closely. Uh, if you if you mapped them, they were too close to one another. Exactly. Okay.
1: I I like to say say that it pays to be a pirate candidate. Um, a pirate candidate, you know, sets themselves apart from the rest of the group. And some people hate the pirate candidate. Mm-hmm. In fact, probably a lot of people hate the pirate candidate. But. Um, you're the number one choice of enough that, it, that you can wind up sneaking through and winning the election. That's interesting way to think about it. And that's
0: also that process of the Republican uh, primary five years ago benefited Trump in a lot of ways, right? I mean, it, if he only had one other competitor that he was running against, it might have been a really different story. Absolutely. But him having a dozen people who was running against, they were all cannibalizing one another.
1: Cruz would have buried Trump if it was one on one.
0: Yeah, possibly. Okay, so that's that helps me understand why our system of voting plurality. Yeah, the plurality uh, model leads to essentially two candidates every single time, right? There are other there are other um, parties, but those parties tend not to win. They can have an effect on the election, although it's always Democrats versus Republicans.
1: Yeah, it, it leads to a two party system, and then or let's say two major party system, and then also those third parties, when they make noise, tend to hurt their own side.
0: Okay. So ranked choice voting then is a potential solution to the problem.
1: Yeah. Right. So, I mean, when you think about it, we're throwing away a lot of information by only asking you who's your favorite. Um, it has to be better to ask, at least gather the information and use the information okay, who's your second favorite candidate? Who's your third favorite candidate? So rank choice voting, you rank either all of the candidates or a, a certain number of candidates. So the the voter would do this.
0: The voter would mm-hmm. see the list of candidates and then rank them one through five or one through 10, however many candidates there are.
1: Yep. And um, and then what you do it is different depending on the voting method. So uh, all of these voting methods were developed um, in the 1800s, I think, um, soon after <laughs> the world discovered that plurality sucked, Um, <laughs> instant runoff is basically um, the first round is like plurality. You just write down everybody's first choices. Now, if nobody gets over 50%, in other words, if nobody gets a majority, then um, someone is eliminated from the group. One person is eliminated. Normally it's the person who gets the fewest first place votes, the person in last. Okay. And those votes then would go to the second person on that voters list.
0: So in in the first round, you're only looking at everyone's first choice. Right. And then if, if somebody gets 50% plus one person, it's over. Yep. Is that right? Okay. Yep. But if nobody gets a majority then th- these other processes kick in. So then what happens then if nobody gets that?
1: That just continues until someone has a majority. Uh, so after the first person is eliminated, that person's votes are scattered to the other candidates depending on the the ranked list. Mm-hmm. And then you recount essentially, and everyone's votes have gone up. So maybe someone's votes has uh, now them over the, the threshold of the majority.
0: So what's changed between round one and round two? In round one, you're looking at everyone's first choice. And then if nobody got a majority, you then go into round two. So in round two, what are you counting differently?
1: So let's just say it's Bush, Gore, Nader, mm-hmm. right? Those are the only three candidates. Nader would have been in last, uh, we think. And Nader's votes then would go to the second candidate on the list. So if you voted for Nader and put Gore as second, then your vote would go for to Gore. If I voted for Nader and put Bush as second, then my vote would go to Bush.
0: Okay. So so people who voted for Nader first, that first is thrown out because he didn't because nobody got a majority. And then those Nader voters basically get another shot, right? They, You just look at their votes and say, okay, well, they're number two. A certain percent went to Bush. A certain percent went to Clinton. Right. And so you then move their votes.
1: Yeah. They're not wasting their votes. I mean, that was what you heard over and over again. If you vote for Nader, you're wasting your vote or, or worse, you're voting for Bush, right? Um, but here you get to say, all right, I know he may not win, but I'm going to put him first. And then- if nobody gets a majority, uh, I'm then I'm going to vote for you know Gore as my second, and that'll then my vote will count. So that's
0: that is um, advantageous, let's say, to Nader voters, and so that it it does give those the the people who are voting for the third party who comes in third place, right? It, right. it gives it gives their votes more meaning.
1: Yeah, and it, I think more importantly, it helps the other major candidate that's close by, right? Mm-hmm. Gore was. Oh, I see. I mean, without Nader in the race, Gore would have won, mm-hmm. right? I think it's pretty clear. And those votes would have gone to Gore then, and Gore would have won under that system.
0: Okay. So people who rank Nader number one, they're, they're unlikely to, to make their number two the opposite of Nader, right? Correct. Their number two is going to be someone on that XY axis who you would presume is somewhat close to Nader.
1: Exactly rather than, uh, we talked about plurality, encouraging pirate candidates, encouraging mm-hmm. candidates to run away from the others, and mostly, usually away from the center. Um, rather than that, this encourages people to, to run toward the center. Because if, let's just suppose Nader is to the left of Gore, right? And uh, Bush is to the right of Gore, then Gore benefits from virtually all of the Nader voters. Because being in the center, let's say, puts you in place to to harvest all of those second-place votes.
0: Okay. So, so that pushes candidates to be more centrist then. Yes. Right? So um, in our current system, Gore might be motivated to try to emphasize the gap between him and Nader. Right, because he wants fewer people to vote for Nader and more people to vote for him. Mm -hmm. In in a ranked choice system, Gore might actually try to appeal to Nader voters. I've seen ads like this in some recent elections where candidates say, Make me your second choice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) choice. It's so um, because it's still new, it -hmm. sounds so funny to hear candidates say that. But essentially, you know, I I may not be exactly what you want, but I might be, I I certainly am closer than (laughs) these other guys.
1: Right. Now, there's another. There's another system that's very popular with the same input. So um, the voter still ranks their um, their candidates, either all of them or some of them, depending on on the system. But then there's what, what's the system called? Oh, well, so this system is called board account. The board account. Board
0: b o a r d.
1: B o r d a.
0: Okay. So how does board account
1: work? So your let's just say that we're ranking five candidates then your first choice uh, gets four points. your second choice gets three, third choice gets two, fourth choice gets one and fifth choice gets zero. you can do it a lot of different ways. Uh, you can bump up the number one if you want by a couple points just to sort of reward that but um, that's a very popular thing that's used by a lot of a lot of systems. For example, the Academy Awards, uh, when they vote for Best Picture, they realize that flaw, and so now they they use the board account. Same thing with all the MVP for sports, uh, the Heisman Trophy, all of these elections where there are many candidates. Whoever's running the election has realized that plurality is terrible, and uh, has has changed most of them to the board account, one of my students was active in the SGA. And this was when they were running the vote on a smoking ban. So the- A vote to ban smoking anywhere on campus? Right. Is that it? Okay. And here was the ballot. I'll tell you the candidates. It was, there were three pseudo smoking bans. Okay. Like of different kind of variation. Right. And the fourth candidate was status quo. In other words, no ban at all. Mm-hmm. So you tell me, Shani, you've got three flavors of smoking ban mm-hmm. and one no ban at all. Who is at an advantage if they run a plurality vote?
0: So based on what you have taught me today, I would say the, the status quo has a serious advantage. Huge advantage. Because the three versions of, of a smoking ban are all kind of bunched together and so 75% of the campus or 70% might want one of those three, but a plurality might vote for that fourth one.
1: Exactly. Is that what happened? No, because my my student was in SGA. He raised this issue and said, this is what we're heading for. So they did that using the board account.
0: So when you're asking people to rank, which as you put it earlier, you're getting more information, which is not just. What is it people want the most, but also what hemisphere are they in? What, what are they in those options? What is second place right. matters? Yes.
1: And then they get points. Exactly. Right. What
0: strikes me is uh, the first part of ranked choice voting is very easy to understand, right? You can explain to a young child, you've got three ice cream flavors, vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry rank your first favorite, your second favorite and third mm-hmm. favorite. That part, literally anybody could grasp, mm-hmm. Um the harder part to explain then is why that conse- why that's more consequential why that's more useful why that method would be preferred mm-hmm. than just vote for the one flavor you like the best yes. right it's like how the math is done comes up with a different result mm-hmm. but it's you do have to it takes a little bit longer to explain the value of of that process
1: yes if we were to wave our wand and and, and change every state to a ranked choice vote um I think what would eventually happen is the lesser parties would become greater, uh, would grow in popularity because voting for them wouldn't hurt. And you'd probably see uh, more than two major parties. You'd probably see three or four major parties and and a bunch of lesser ones.
0: What I really have enjoyed about this conversation is you've helped me get a better sense of how um, rank-choice voting – Is not just a different way to count or do a math problem, but it actually gathers information that uh, it gathers more information than our current pick one or the other Mm -hmm. candidate vote for one out of four or five. Mm -hmm. And then that information can have an impact on how candidates run on what legislation is proposed, Mm -hmm. right? It can make candidates. It would, as you've explained it, push candidates to be more centrist which would affect policies. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's the part of this that's fascinating to me is that it's not just a clever math problem, but it actually has a, uh, there's, there's, a there's a clear line between how the math is done and what the consequence is for the country mm-hmm. when it comes to politics. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, one of the things is I think, so m- many other uh, advanced countries use the parliamentary system where. Lots of parties uh, get in to the parliament. And that sort of is, uh, uh, it works around the weakness of plurality, just doesn't really have a problem.
0: Because in a parliamentary system, you know, you have 10, 15 different parties, no party will often get 51% of the vote. And so they're forced to create coalitions. Um, and that then has the same effect of moving people toward the center, forcing people to cooperate exactly to get anything done. Mm-hmm. Our system of politics uh, seems to encourage lack of cooperation. Yeah. So thank you so much for this conversation. I've really enjoyed it. It's been great to talk to you about this. You're welcome. Uh, happy to
1: happy to talk with you.
0: And thanks for inviting me. I hope you found the conversation as interesting as I did and that you learned a little more about how ranked choice voting works. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and share it with other people. The more listeners we get, the more I'll be able to do in the future.
1: And the winner is the Hurt Locker. This podcast
0: is brought to you by University College at University of Wisconsin, Stevens Point. Our mission is to provide coordinated, intentional, and inclusive services and opportunities through our core values of connecting, supporting, collaborating, and engaging. Discover your purpose and visit UW-Stevens Point at www.uwsp.edu.